from the Lake Erie shores of Northeast Ohio. Hello, Cleveland! Rock and roll capital of the world and birthplace of the comic book superhero. Faster than a speeding bullet, more powerful than a locomotive, able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. This is the Panel Scanners Podcast since 2012. Wrestling Week here as we approach WrestleMania 36. Now, a couple of years ago, Redmond joined me. We were in down our top ten wrestlers. And uh, it was roughly maybe shortly before this I found out that Jason was a big wrestling fan. And uh, I kind of felt bad that he wasn't on this episode, especially since he works at Carolyn John's Comic Shop, which uh, has been very good to us over the years. Uh, and we've been very good to them. We've spent a lot of money in that shop, and we'll continue to do so. It's uh, one of my favorite places in North Northeast Ohio, and we've been very honored to... Uh, be a part of the free comic book day midnight release party um but i wanted to give jason an opportunity to come on and uh give us his top 10 wrestlers but before we do that um we always talk about our top 10 lists about how ask us on a different day i might give you a different answer depending on uh you know what i've recently saw or you know uh, things happen you know the, you, you change your your, your your tastes change uh for instance, uh, j- jokingly back when we did this uh, Revan, i put in for honorable mentions, La Barba Grande, Impressive Pelvis Wedley, Wesley, Chad Too Bad from that, uh, what was oh, it, the, the parody, um, Southpaw Regional Pro Wrestling, which I thought yes. was hysterical. Yes. Awesome. Um, but I'll go ahead and I'm going to run through my ten, top ten from the last time, but I do have one change. Um, my honorable mentions were Lita, Eddie Guerrero, Bill Goldberg, Ric Flair, Bret Hart, Dusty Rhodes, Jerry Lawler, Booker T. I even gave a shout out to Jim Ross. Um, even though he wasn't a, a wrestler. My number 10 was Roddy Piper. My number 9 was the Macho Man. My number 8 was Hulk Hogan. I was stunned that he was so low. Now, here's my number 7, and this is where I swapped it out. My number 7 was Bret Hart. I swapped him out for Kurt Angle. Bret Hart is now oh. number 7. Kurt Angle, I st- he was amazing back in the day, but his, his victory lap was uh, it left a lot yeah. to be desired. Uh, yeah. um, my number 6 is Chris Jericho, who's still going strong, perhaps better than he's been for a very long time. And my top five were Sting, Diamond Dallas Page, who I'm willing to bet no matter how many top ten we lists we put out, Diamond Dallas Page is probably the most underrated professional wrestler of all time. That's kind of my opinion. My number three was Stone Cold Steve Austin. Number two, Mick Foley. And my number one, Rick uh, Redman, do you happen to remember who it was? Uh, was it Stone Cold Steve Austin? No, I just said he was my number no. three. No, that's right. Uh, my um, number one. Dragon Steamboat, and he right. still is my number one. Redman, uh, quickly, who are your uh, top ten, and have any changed? Yes, there's a change at ten. Ten before a couple years ago was CM Punk. Now it's Chris Jericho. Um, nine, Shawn Michaels. Eight, Mick Foley. Seven, Triple H. Six, Jake the Snake Roberts. Five, Rock, Macho Man Randy Savage. Four, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. Ah. Three, The Rock. Uh, number two used to be Stone Cold Steve Austin. It is now The Undertaker, who is uh, my number two. I, I kind of had a feeling that was going to happen. Yeah, and now num- now Stone Cold Steve Austin is my number one dude. All right, cool. Honorable mention to uh, Kazuhika Okada, Kenny Omega, oh. AJ Styles. New Japan Road Wrestling stuff. All right. All right, Jason, take it away, my friend. So I didn't do any uh, honorable mentions for my uh, top ten guys, but for number ten, it's El Generico. 
You guys might know. Mm, yes. Sammy. Yep. Uh, I much prefer his El Generico. Oh, yeah. He uh, was work better than uh, Sammy Zane. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ultimo Dragon for number nine. Uh, yeah. Number eight is Rey Mysterio. Seven is Eddie Guerrero. Six is Pentagon Jr. My top fives are Mick Foley uh, of the American Dragon, Brian, or Brian Danielson. Mm-hmm. Daniel Bryan's. Yes. You know, uh, uh, non WWE character. Uh, Chris Jericho for number three. Kurt Angle for number two. And for number one, Rob Van Dam. Oh, wow. see, there's a guy I've never really been that big of a fan of. That's interesting. Oh, that's him in ECW. You have yeah. to okay. ECW. Yeah, and I, I do understand that. So I, I mean, I, I've never, you know, I, I ECW Rob Van Dam was like ABA uh, Doctor J. Okay, that makes perfect sense to me. <laughs> I, I get it now. I, I, I the, the most of that stuff's on the network, and I've been meaning around to get around to, to that because I actually yeah. didn't have access to ECW the art growing you up. Saw where ECW was like seventy-five, maybe seventy percent of all of RBD and ECW, RVD and ECW. Well, I'll have to Mr. get around to that. All right, guys, yeah. that's cool. So uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin for Redman, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat for me, and Rob Van Dam for Jason. All right, um, here we go. On to the matter at hand. Okay, so can either one of you decode the following statement? Steve Austin is going to count the lights for Bret Hart, but he'll still get put over in a match that will nearly end up a Broadway. We'll keep the injuries kayfabe, but Austin might need to get color to sell the double turn. Anyone know what I'm talking about there? A little bit. I actually might need you to repeat it, but I someone has to bleed. Okay, uh, that's getting color, yeah. right? Actually, yeah, that's getting color. Yeah. Yeah, wait. Uh, can you can you tell can you can you say some other phrases? Steve as well? Austin is going to count the lights. Oh, he's he's going to job to Brett. Okay, but he'll still get put over. That means he'll still look great. Brett's okay. going to make him look good. All right, Jason. What does it mean when the match almost ends up a Broadway? This is uh, that one I'm not sure of. I yeah, don't know what not... match you're talking about, though. Okay. Well, this is just a. This is a. They they wrestled a bunch of times. I was kind of like mix, mixing a bunch of them. Um, okay, Jason. So, what does it mean to keep the injuries kayfabe? Uh, that means they're not actual injuries. They're just kind of um, put on for show or pretend. Yeah, they're story injuries. And story injuries. What, yeah. Jason? What is a double turn? Uh, when you go heel to face and face to heel right. for the actual, fun. It's it's really fun uh, because the professional wrestling has changed dramatically since I first discovered AWA wrestling. There it is. <laughs> I couldn't figure that out uh, a couple days ago. Hey. Um, sometime in the early early to mid eighties, and then became a little Hulkamaniac. Then discovered the excellence of Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, Ric Flair, and amazing tag team wrestling from the Hart Foundation, the British British Bulldogs, Strike Force, and even ready for this, Jumpin' Jim Brunzel and B Brian Blair, the Killer Bees. <laughs> Growing up in the 80s, the popularity of pro wrestling boomed into becoming pop culture. It actually kind of took over pop culture for a while. Massive live events such as WrestleMania 3 eclipsed even the Super Bowl in terms of attendance and maybe even cultural importance. Cartoons, toys, music videos, even breakfast cereals crashed into homes with the same force as a King Kong Bundy body splash. Then a curious thing occurred. 
The massive audiences led to more eyes on the industry. Holes began to appear in the mystique. As children grew up, skepticism emerged. The same eyes that had begun to question the existence of Santa Claus pondered the authenticity of pro wrestling. For a long while, so many seemed compelled to stand on moral ground and call wrestling fake. But then the 90s explosion comes again. Now this is all old news to us, but I mention these things as I wonder if there are or going to be newer eyes on both WWE and AEW as they are the closest things to sports that are still going as we sit here on um, the Friday before WrestleMania 2020 um, here in the last week of March, early first week of April as most of the country is on sort of a lockdown and these, as we mentioned a couple of days, days ago um, these things are you know they're still going, so they're they're you know there's not a whole lot of other games in town. I, I think a lot of people might end up uh, watching this, and the WWE is giving this thing away this weekend, right? I mean, they they said you're going to be able to get all the WrestleManias. Does that include WrestleMania 36? Do we know that? Uh, I think so. So I mean, it's going to be out there for free this time around. It's very interesting. Um, so we're going to be talking tonight about our top ten favorites professional wrestling matches of all time. And one of the things I want to qualify, as we always do on the panel scanners, when we talk about our top tens, is that these are representative of what we think our favorite matches are. We are not attempting yes. to elevate these as the best matches, um, because who among us is qualified to elevate best matches over some other matches? No, these are the things that are our favorite matches. And... Uh, all right, so I'm going to go ahead and lead with my honorable mentions, and uh, I have two of them. I'm glad you do. I have honorable mentions as okay, well. Okay, I've got two of them. I tried. To, I, I could have gone a lot more, but I've got two, and I'm just going to read them real quickly. The Dudley Boys versus the Hardy Boys versus Edge and Christian at WrestleMania 17, and oh, Eddie Guerrero versus Rey Mysterio at Halloween Havoc 1997. Beautiful. Okay. Beautiful. Now, uh, my number 10. And this one, I'm going to break one of my own rules because I have a tiny bit longer of a justification, but I think it requires one. My number 10 is Goldberg versus Brock Lesnar Survivor Series 2016. Um, and the reason I say this, I have to justify, is this is Goldberg's greatest moment. He was never a wrestler. We started talking about this a couple of weeks or a couple of days ago. He was never a wrestler. He was an attraction. But for a man... Known for not known for his promo work, his comeback promo. You're not only are you next, your last is perhaps the best of its kind. He had he ridden off into the sunset as it appeared it was planned. It could have been one of the most legendary encounters in professional wrestling history. Of course, as nearly always is the case, WWE has dragged out Goldberg once again. But his under two minute dominance of Brock Lesnar is truly one of the few surprises the industry has given us in many years. Uh, number nine is Ric Flair versus Randy Savage, WrestleMania 8. Not the dream ma fat match, not the dream match fans wanted, presuming the long-awaited Hogan-Flair matchup, but while Hogan and Sid Vicious delivered a turn of a main event, Flair and Savage did not disappoint. My number 8 is one I just watched today, um, Cactus Jack versus Triple H, Royal Rumble 2000. Man, you almost had to look away at times during this match. Uh, my number 7. 
Uh, Undertaker versus HBK WrestleMania 2000, 25-2009. Like I said, we avoid putting anything as best, but if we were going to rearrange a list as such, this one would be at or near the top. The streak versus HBK's career. Uh, The few times the stakes were more important than the heavyweight title. And rounding up my top ten, or my bottom five, number six, Macho Man versus Ricky Steamboat, WrestleMania 3, 1987. As good a final confrontation as ever there will be, this match is often referenced as a technical wonder as both men put on a clinic with big moves, big moments, False finishes and a satisfying ending. So that's my ten through six. Redmond. So um, I'm going to start off the ten through six by with my honorable mentions. Uh, first honorable mention: Stone Cold Steve Austin versus Mankind, or Dude Love rather, at 1998, Unforgiven. As far as pure energy and the odds stacked against Austin, this was a this was a it's an underrated but a really fantastic match because Vince McMahon was the guest referee and there are all these things in the story against Austin like I remember thinking going into watching Unforgiven I'm like there's there's literally no way Austin's going to win this like how how creative is he going to get because you know um McMahon was like the the match this match only ends by my hand only and um, actually, I'm going to encourage people to go and watch it. I'm not going to spoil the ending. You should go back and watch it. Um, because how Stone Cold gets out of it and how he maneuvers his way around and just the things that happen in order to get the match to where it is. Um, and also, both uh, both Mick Foley and Austin say like that's that's a pretty underrated match that actually ranks up there with some of their favorites in terms of that working together. Okay, uh, the second honorable mention, and I promise I will get to six, uh, ten through six. Uh, Triple H versus Taker in the end of an era match at WrestleMania. Um, mainly because just for me as an older fan, it had all of this historic significance because I'd watch these guys go at it in classics the whole time. Sean was the guest referee, Sean Michaels. Uh, a lot of really good storytelling with Taker getting beat up and kind of outlasting some of these moves because, you know, Sean and uh, Trips had this whole DX thing going, energy going, you know, the double move finisher, finisher in the middle. Really great storytelling and uh, I one of the few matches that actually, you know, made me a little misty. Because of uh, you know how it ended, and how they uh, they all walked up the stage together at the end. So, number ten for me. Um, this one's pretty uh, simple, and uh, it might seem a little farther down for a lot of people. Hulk Hogan versus the Ultimate Warrior at WrestleMania Six. Um, so, uh, mainly because I I remember I still have ch- I remember where I was when I was a kid when I saw this. Um, this was one of the few times where even back then as a, as, as a wrestling fan, I, I, I wasn't sure who was going to win. It was almost like, um, it's in, in some ways it's for wrestling fans. It was almost like talking about superhero, like who would win like this person versus that person. And so there was like Hogan people there were, you know, and there were warrior people, you know, in terms of just like the next generation and all that stuff. So, 
you know, for one of those epic conflict matches. Uh, number nine might be a surprise for you, but I just loved how this match looked and how this match felt. Undertaker, CM Punk, WrestleMania 29. Um, this is another match that actually probably should have been the main event. And um, were it not for a kind of like this Cena rock thing, um, it was a title rematch. Uh, Punk sold everything. And the way he, art- artistically, the way he, s- he was, his character, CM Punk, was absolutely defiant of the Undertaker mistake. But in doing so, you could almost tell the kind of reverence he had for the Taker as well, just kind of what he did and how, you know, that that match, go back and watch it. It was, in terms of just character versus character, like Punk being CM Punk and being kind of like this, this upstart, disrespectful a-hole and the Taker sort of working his way through it and, and, and Punk totally being a, a game opponent and a pretty creative finisher for the Tombstone. Um, the ring psychology at the time, like CM Punk at that, at, at, during this time, his ring psychology was kind of unparalleled. And so he was the perfect foil for Taker and he did a great job of, of, of just maintaining that energy. So that, and also this for me was sort of the last instance, instance of great Undertaker, you know, like all-star super Undertaker. Was that the um, match right before the streak ended? Uh, no, it was after the street. Yeah. Sorry, keep going. Yeah. Um, number eight, NXT. DIY, DIY versus The Revival. NXT TakeOver, Toronto 2016. Um, that That is some of the best tag team wrestling I've ever seen. Uh, it, it really is. Um, fantastic. Uh, just especially given the story between how DIY necessarily could DIY basically being Johnny Gargano and Tommaso Ciampa who are fantastic individually if you have not seen them see them they're great they are GR number 8 great um, event against the Revival who NXT Revival not WWE Revival NXT Revival you could argue that they were even even maybe even more so than the Young Bucks they were probably they might have been the best tag team on earth the match that they put on what, you know, it was a two out of three falls match. It was the, that that match they put on is sort of the standard for like how tag team title matches. Could, they haven't been able to top it since, so it couldn't have been booked better. Uh, number seven, Bailey versus Sasha Banks, NXT Brooklyn 2015. Uh, creative, um, so much so much pathos in the match between these two, especially between those two. You know, Sasha being. Kind of like the glamorous super champ Bailey at that during NXT, she was this underdog who couldn't, who wasn't quite clutch enough to get there. She finally did, uh, you know, and just the the way it was booked, the the bank statement reversal, the there was this angle where they there was there was this angle where you know she like where Sasha like broke Bailey's hand and she saw that through all the way the the crazy move this crazy hurricane Rana sort of head spiking at the end for her like a couple a few false finishes Bailey Sasha that was that's a that's a landmark match and number six um Sean versus Brett Wrestlemania 12 though the hour-long Ironman match um and to me this is uh 
this is kind of the 80s or 90s equivalent of a of a match i'm going to get i'll I'll talk about later in terms of just it was a marathon but they found a way and these are the only these are two of the guys who could actually pull it off but it was like slower almost no you know no no no, nothing in the way of false finishes they found a way to to blend chain wrestling and big spots and in-ring storytelling in a way that actually made you keep looking because that and this is also the reason sean versus bird is also the reason why there aren't a lot of iron man matches because those are really hard to pull off and you need the right two people to do it because you have to be transfixed for an hour and um these guys made it work and it was for sean and it was also sean michaels's um first uh first win as win to get the title so historical significance as well so that's my 10 for 10 to 6 Redmond before we move to Jason could you really quickly explain chain wrestling for those who are listening and may just now be getting into pro wrestling oh, or may yeah. uh, not know too oh my god it. yes so, so chain wrestling isn't uh, so chain wrestling it's a lot of holds it's, it's, it's basically you know wrist lock to this to this it almost looks like dramatic mma in a lot of ways but the but instead of sitting there and punching each other you're sort of just like moving from switching from one hole to another to another to another to another and uh, yeah and that and that's really it and it's basically it looks like human i I would best describe it as kind of like the the pro wrestling equivalent of human chess like wrist lock makes a lot of sense Wrist lock to headlock to foot lock, you know, to to this to that. Someone getting out of it, you know, and then yeah, All right. you know, and that, that's like it's like fundamental, you know, master Jedi master type stuff where they're just like they all do these small moves, just feeling each other out. My daughter uh, Bailey versus Banks turned my daughter into a wrestling fan. All right, Jason, you're up. So my uh, honorable mention is going to be Unbreakable 2005 from Impact Wrestling. It's uh, AJ Styles versus Samoa Joe. Oh, my God. Oh, man. It's an insane match. The kicks are out of this world, and the final pin is the most unique uh, pin that I've ever seen. So that's my honorable mention. That's a really good one, man. Good stuff. Yeah. um, Number 10, the hit... The reason it's number 10 is because of one of the people in it. It's Chris Jericho versus Chris Benoit. Oh, yeah. Um, it's the J-Cup 95 from Japan. Um, this was the first match that I saw with two phenomenal wrestlers, you know, in my younger wrestling days. Uh, that was not a WWE or WWF style match at all. And I was just blown away by the technical nature of the matches and how they just kept improving upon each other. Uh, this is also... The first time the Crippler crossface was used and the Walls of Jericho were used in the match cool. against each other. Oh, beautiful. Um, uh, num- my number nine is Dusty Rhodes versus Cody Rhodes. Uh, the um, I forget which AEW pay-per-view it is off the top of my head, but the war that they put each other through. As oh, two Dustin. Oh, oh, Dustin. Yeah, Dustin. yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. As only two brothers could, and oh. then the heartful ending to that thing just had, you know, had me choking up. Uh, number eight is Rey Mysterio versus Eddie at the Halloween Havoc '97, the mask for the championship. It was just a fast-paced lucha style match that just kept going. It was awesome. Uh, How many my number great seven... WCW matches were there. Oh, there were a lot. 
It's or a lot. Okay. Yeah, uh, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. I've always wondered that. Go ahead, Jason. Three to four matches per pay per view were phenomenal for WWE. Yeah, ridiculous. Uh, my number seven is Kurt Angle versus Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania. Mm. Uh, starts off super technical with the two of them, uh, former college champions in wrestling. Uh, they take it up and do some uh, phenomenal things past that. And I mean, seeing a big man doing a shooting star press, that's air quotes. Was, was that an Iron Man or no? No, it wasn't uh, Iron Man. It was just okay. uh, just those two going at each other. But seeing Lesnar try to do the shooting star press oh, uh, was something. he landed on his head? Yeah. yeah. And you'll if Kurt Angle forget. isn't where he is, he may not be walking around today. <laughs> right. And then uh, my number six is uh, John Cena versus CM Punk, uh, Money in the Bank 2011. Yeah. Uh, it started off the summer of Punk and really drew me back into wrestling, so I always have to keep that up there. Uh, and it, it'll lead into my idea for number five for why it is where it is, but Cena plays one of the best heels that never was. Like yeah. he, he knows how to work a crowd as a heel. I just wish WWE would have actually let him do that. All right, that's pretty some this is some pretty cool stuff. All right, here we go with our top five, and I'm gonna go ahead and lead us off. My number five is Ricky Steamboat versus Ric Flair, Clash of Champions 6, 1989. The second of three showdowns between the two. Steamboat enters as the champ having beat Flair at the Chai Town Rumble. A two out of three falls match. That ends with controversy, and there's a backstage segment with Ricky um, Steamboat uh, being interviewed after he wins the uh, match, talking about uh, whether or not there was uh, controversy at the end of the match, and he actually sees the um, um, the the finish, which is Flair has his foot on the rope as the three count occurs, and Steamboat goes, "Okay, you know what? That's fine. If he wants another shot, let's go. I'm in for it." And I, it's that sort of stuff sort of absent to me, and I do feel like AEW is getting back to that. And uh, you know, and one of the things I'd like to add to what Jason said uh, with his uh, Dustin Rhodes versus Cody Rhodes um, at AEW. Oh my gosh, Dustin Rhodes! I I can watch his matches. Like we, just uh, just the last pay per view they had. Would you have ever sat through a Gold Dust versus Jack Swagger match? No. No, but no. I was really invested in the Jake Hager versus Dustin Rhodes. It's good. Yeah, good. They were it was really, to, really good. So I was excited to watch to it. They were allowed to sort of just, hey, go go be good. Yeah, and yeah, it was really for, fun. For people I, I, that I, it's, it's, it's really yeah. fun stuff again. So, yeah. Um, But, yeah, Steamboat in this, and the, this match is just, it, it is, it's so great. I mean, you were just talking about an Iron Man match. This thing goes an hour long. It's not yeah. an Iron Man match, two out of three falls, but it does it go just an hour long. To be an hour, yeah. It's really weird, though. If you watch it, it takes place in the Superdome, but it's so dark because they. This is 89, so the business is on the downturn, and it's not WWF. This is a. Uh, I think it is WCW at this point, but it's still the NWA Championship. Oh, but, uh, yeah. So my number four, we head back to 1987 in WrestleMania 3. Hulk Hogan versus Andre the Giant, WrestleMania 3, mm-hmm. 1987. I think this is still the biggest match in pro wrestling history. I'll never say that it will forever be the biggest match, but it's hard to imagine a scenario where a match could eclipse the WrestleMania 3 main event. Um, 
this thing is the cultural phenomenon for 1987. This is, of course, the Pontiac Superdome, the one hundred, the the uh, purported 100,000 people in the place, which you know has always been debated, but whatever. Um, now, listen, for all the criticism Hulk Hogan gets, and much of it brought on by himself, this match works because he is selling his jacked-up rear end off. Um, and this was Hogan's best attribute, was to make you believe he was in danger. And I realized I screwed something up. I went to my number four, so my apologies on that. So let's go to your number five, Redmond, and we'll just skip over me for number four, okay? Okay, my number five, uh, Rock versus Hogan, WrestleMania 18. It's because uh, the match itself wasn't We're be super... We're talking about this again. Keep going. Well, you were there during the build-up to this match when we were watching... I think it was SmackDown. Was it? We went to a SmackDown. Yes, um, you and I went to the Hogan SmackDown that was immediately preceded WrestleMania. Yeah. And right when some of this started, when Hogan came out, did I or didn't I not turn into an eleven-year-old? You did, and I'm. I was going to talk and about this, like but let's go ahead and do this now. Um, yeah, like jumping up and cheering, but I was sitting there like you. I just realized that I had never seen Hogan live before. I and had. Now I, and I remember specifically, you were very down on this. Like, I don't want to see this old man. This is stupid. Right? You actually right? showed me your goosebumps. We'll talk a little bit more about the crowd's reaction to that, but go ahead. No, but, uh, so, so you had that, that stuff coming in, but, um, so Rock Hogan, you had even, even other wrestlers during WrestleMania 18 looking back saying like that that should have been the main event oh i think the main God. event during the wrestlemania 18 was like edge taker or something like that which is also good but how do you follow that right you know um i actually looked this up trish Stratus yeah i think we was edge was like dude this. why that would you crowd, even follow? Go ahead. oh the crowd the crowd was so important during that match and that is when hogan it was like an organic double single turn double turn but whatever it's like Hogan was supposed to be the heel and then just in future interviews and things that I've seen is that when first off people were cheering for Hogan when he started whipping out some of his old stuff like and not not the big leg not the comeback I'm talking about when he locked up and Hogan tossed the rock across the ring and right and I think the rock said the moment that happened and he heard the crowd react, Rock said, I think he actually said this on a recent Instagram story. He said, all right, I'm going to wrestle this as a heel. I'm going to look around and be like, what? No, you made me look bad. So because uh, and because the, the crowd was just feeling Hogan. I so he rocked her and flip on that. And then Hogan in some ways became the face even though he was supposed to be nw or whatever and yeah, that changed yeah. the entire energy of the match and um and it was like i mean if you're talking about like wrestling craft and all that stuff is okay but the energy and the fact that we were seeing these two do it and and hogan kind of dialing it up you know the way he did uh and just the way the crowd reacted i i can't i can't forget that we're, we're I'll, I'll save a few, I'm going to leave a few in the chamber for this because I, I have a question or two for you about it. Um, that That's pretty sweet. Uh, Jason, are you ready to move on, Redmond? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Jason, Go what do you got? Um, my number five is uh, RVD versus John Cena at the One Night Stand. 
uh, it starts like Cena just takes heat the second he walks into the ring. Uh, you know, throws out his shirt and his hat. They both get thrown back in. <laughs> the crowd is completely anti-Cena the entire match. Uh, it wasn't the most technical match of any of the ones that I have listed, but the way the crowd reacted to the whole thing was, you know, what made it for me. And, you know, like I mentioned a little while ago, RVD is my favorite wrestler. Uh, Cena knows how to work a crowd, too. So they just put on an awesome match together. All right, Redmond, straight to your number four. Number four, Taker, Mankind, King of the Ring, 1998. Oh, my God. I mean... That is... Go ahead, please. I mean, a lot of this had things where... Like, this to me, in some ways, despite Stone Cold, The Rock, and all that, like, just the era that we were in, this to me was sort of like the absolute extreme apex of where we thought the attitude era was going to go and in terms of pure violence and also because i just have it's up this high because i have to give it the respect for all the shit that went wrong in this in this match like okay so mick getting tossed off the top that was supposed to happen no one knew what was going to happen after that but so first off seeing that live was like wait what did i just see someone die and then i mean really this was the birth of the legend of mick foley the true birth of the legend of mick foley right he had been a legend before that if you read his book but like for a lot of people this is the first time mick foley became like foley foley you know what i mean so so there's that but then you hear the kind of maybe apocryphal stories about how he not only is messed up and after getting dropped for how you know however long he fell he gets back up and then part of the match he gets back up climbs back on the cage and then the unticker choke slams him on top of the roof but then he goes through it not supposed to happen that wasn't supposed to happen he goes through and concusses himself to this day he still can't remember like the few minutes after that and then they still had a match they were like thumbtacks and like it got worse it did and i like actually the, watched that entire pay-per-view on the oh, anniversary the 20th anniversary i just yeah. because i put it on in the background um and there's a couple of things about it that i'd like to point out um people forget that wasn't the main event no, it wasn't the main event. But he comes it, out it, it, to interfere in the main event after all yeah. that happened. Also, also when the also that match sort of just was like there, like on paper, like the build up was just like okay, these two entities are going to go at it, but there, it's not like there was some sort of long thing happening. Where there's a re- there's totally a reason for this to happen. It just sort of like, well, why not? And it ended up becoming just really uh, a landmark occasion for like all of pro wrestling. Like I I, was... I, I can't. I, I still, even looking back, and even the the fun part is that like you know after you've seen this is showing people this who have never seen it before, and are and they're like what. How was he alive? Well, 
you know, I was reading a Sports Illustrated article a couple of years ago, and they ran down the top 100 greatest sports announcer calls of all time. And, you know, the, the number ones in the two, you know, Bobby Thompson's home run, uh, Do You Believe in Miracles, were up there. But I get some to around the 30, and I, I read, As God is my witness, Mick Foley is broken in half. He's like, oh! And so, they, so, whoever, so whoever put that list together had the presence of mind to go, one of the great sports calls of all time oh, is Jim Ross. <laughs> uh, talking about how he's completely in disbelief of what he's seeing because he didn't know I'm, what was coming. I'm sure you guys remember, you know, like, I mean, there were plenty of calls. There were a few calls that were in that match where, like, when he goes through the roof and lands on his friggin' head and the king, like, Jerry Lawler basically goes, that's it, he's dead. Yeah. <laughs> and then there's, you know, it's funny. It, it gets washed over because of everything because the main event is not so bad. It's a first blood between Kane and uh, Austin. That's great. Um, main event. When, when uh, oh, Mick Foley... Is coming out. You hear the crowd react. The camera does not cut to him coming down, but you hear Jerry, L- Jerry Lawler almost, you know, very sad, like he can't believe what he's seeing. He's like, "Oh no, no, no!" And then Jim Ross goes, "What the hell? What's that maniac doing?" <laughs> and then the Undertaker chases him out. I'm like, this thing's not yeah. over yet. Oh my God! It, that that you're right. I mean, that's that's a tough one. The top Redmond. What? Jason's gonna give it a shot. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we you touched on it in your honorable mentions, the TLC match uh, with Edge Christian and uh, the Hardy Boys and Dudleys at the WrestleMania. I mean, just spots all over the place. That spear off the uh, ladder into uh, Matt Hardy, I believe it was, was yeah. crazy. Uh, you know, just no, Jeff Hardy's the one that gets speared. I just watched Or Jeff Hardy, yeah. 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 Either one, honestly. But no, it is Jeff. That's right. Yeah. And Jeff doing the swanton through uh, uh, Rhino and uh, uh, Spike Dudley through the tables on the outside, too. That 20-foot ladder. Jesus Christ. <laughs> what are you supposed to... I, I remember seeing hey guys, that line. up the language. We're a family show. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> That's tough. It's Attitude Era WWE was what we're talking about. Edit that, that out. Yeah, 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 it happens. Don't worry about it. <laughs> but it was one of those things where I like you see it, and you can't believe it just happened. Yeah, and there's, and at the and time, they stand up. totally ruined yeah. the rest of the card too. By the way, and then they get up, and you're like, ah, oh, what? There's more. Yeah, <laughs> that's a great call. All right, uh, we're gonna go to my number three in Redmond. You already had this. It is Hogan versus Rock. WrestleMania 19, 2002. Um, find me another sporting event where the crowd dominated the event just as much as the performers. Redmond, I don't know if you remember, we, we like you we already established, you and I went to that SmackDown. Yeah. And it was the SmackDown immediately preceding, uh, or the last one is what's called, I guess, the go-home show for WrestleMania of that year, yeah. 19. Yeah. I'll and let you tell it. That, to me, I've been... To the World Series, I've been to the Eastern Conference Finals. Um, I've been to a Game Seven, uh, what was then known as the, whatever the Eastern Conference Finals were known as in the NHL. I've been to a Game Seven in which uh, the the Pittsburgh Penguins. I was dating a girl at the time. The Pittsburgh Penguins mm-hmm. lost in overtime, double overtime. I've been to. 
wrestling events. I've been to. I, I actually have been to the Browns games when they were really, really good back in the eighties. Um, I've never in my life heard a crowd like this. And this is I'm speaking of the SmackDown before, no. and I'll get to the WrestleMania crowd. When Hulk Hogan came out and Redmond, you were when we were driving up to this thing, you were talking to me about how you were you, you the, the Hogan thing was terrible. You hated him. He, he was he's some old guy. I mean, we we hadn't seen too much of him yet. We didn't actually know he was in pretty good physical condition. Still, he was pretty ripped, but still, he comes out, and the crowd goes silent. As the Rock comes out, and this is at the height of the Rock's wrestling popularity. Yeah. And, you know, the crowd, when he comes like out, George. they kind of know what's coming. And everyone's anticipating that Hogan's coming out to confront him. And remember, they did all sorts of dastardly stuff to try to get you to hate Hogan. The crowd's like, no, sure. we're not going to let you do it. Uh, we're taking this over. He comes out, and I look this up. You forget how big he was, because he actually looks down to the rock. He's 6'8", um, yeah, he was. Yeah, and... You know, he stands there, and he comes out, and he, he's still got the NWO music, and he comes out alone, and he walks to the ring very slowly, which is so not Hulk Hogan. And mm-hmm. he gets into the ring, and he he starts to circle the rock, and everyone's, like, waiting for something to happen, right? And he goes, you know who killed Hulkamania? And the crowd explodes when he says <laughs> Hulkamania. He goes, and he starts listing up, he goes, he starts like listening to uh, like uh, some people from WCW, and then he said something like, "Macho Man Randy Savage tried to kill Hulkamania," and the crowd goes nuts. For every time he says this, the crowd's going crazy. And then he goes, "Even God rest his soul, Andre the Giant tried to kill Hulkamania," and the crowd. Well, you, this is Redman. You actually pulled up your sleeve and showed me your arm, and you had goosebumps. I remember this. Um, and then the crowd <laughs> yeah. is like. You know, and they goes, and now you rock want to kill Hulkamania, and the crowd organically starts chanting, "Rocky sucks," and he has at the Rocky height of his power. Sucks, yeah. And I'll never forget. He goes, but you know who did kill Hulkamania? You fans, and he starts yelling at us. You abandoned me, and our collective response was, "He's right. We're sorry." Yeah, and we this thing was like a revival. <laughs> I mean. People were passing out in the aisles, tears streaming down their faces, and that carried over into that main event, man. I've like I'm telling you, I'm getting goosebumps, goosebumps just thinking it because I was a Hulkamaniac, you know. I mean, I know Steamboat was my favorite, but I was a little Hulkamaniac, and this when he came out, I was like shaking, and when he was doing that whole time, oh my god! And do you remember when we were watching this match at your house? We must have been like. Completely passing. Oh, your, yeah. your mom, oh. your dad, your grandmother came down to see what was going on, and yes, yes, it just oh my god! I in the year and you know in the year since, I've heard that the main event was actually Chris Jericho versus Triple H, and I heard it was a pretty good match, but that crowd was spent, man. I mean, they were done. Was done. They were just passed out, and it's just like. 
when Hulk Hogan started hulking up, and you're right, that, that moment where The Rock goes to test his strength and Hogan just rips his arms down and The Rock is like dancing, yeah. like, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god. It was just, oh, I've never, back. ever we all wanted a match like, to be won by someone else. Like, everyone, I mean, he, you were the biggest Rock fan, but you were like, no one wanted Hogan to lose that match. We all knew it was going to happen. Like, there were people, there were people you had only met, like, at my house for seriously like un- you hadn't met them until that event and when hogan kicked out of the rock bottom and started doing this comeback oh stuff oh my god and the crowd started going like it it wasn't the thing is the crowd like when the, when he jumped up the crowd exploded because they're like we know what's coming and the rock sold it in a way when like well no like he saw a ghost like he was terrified yeah and when he did the punching, and everyone was yeah. like, "It's gonna be three punches and a big boot," and then the and also the call, the call was great. Like the call, like if you go back and listen to that, it's like when he drops a leg drop, and right before he goes to the cover, you hear Jim Ross goes, "He beat Andre, the, he beat Andre the Giant with that move," and I'm like, <gasps> and then when he and then Rock kicked out him, like we we. I think everybody collectively knew that he was probably going to kick out. We didn't want him to, but we, we were all more knowledgeable at that time. So we're like, can't have him lose, but oh, he did He did our stuff. He yeah. did the stuff. That's... We into, it's, it's, it's like seeing the Force Awakens trailer for the first time. You know, yeah. we're just like, eh, oh, hi, eh. I'm Jason, a child again. Like, yeah, yeah. Well, what are your thoughts on that? I don't know if it, if it's going to finish in here. Yeah, but what what are you what are you thinking here? Are we going to get to this one, or do you want to chime in now? Uh, the only thing I have to say about that one is something that also helps set up the crowd to be on Hogan's side for that. That a lot of people overlook is that he told the rest of the NWO. He told them, you know, don't come out to the ring. Yes, yes, he did. That. Right. You know, it it helped to cement his honor as a wrestler that he wanted to take on the Rock by himself. Yeah. Like we were getting Hogan. We were getting like uh, to 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 piggyback off that that awesome point. To me, I remember viewing it and saying like, "Oh, okay, like we're not getting Hollywood Hogan. We're getting." Holster, and you know the legend behind this is that it was actually supposed to be Stone Cold's match. I don't know if the crowd turns on no. Stone Cold the way they st- they turn on I, uh, the Rock. Well, also this that the energy is completely different. Yeah, um, you're right. You're right. I, I, I All don't, right. Uh, I don't. That's still honestly, sending chills on my spine right now. I know. I know. Austin's my number one, but honestly. I don't think it makes the list if Austin's the guy You're in right. that match. It just, it's yeah. not the same atmosphere. All right, Redmond, you're number three. Uh, I mean, there's not much more to say about this that you haven't already said. Um, Hogan-Andre, WrestleMania three. Yeah, I mean... Um, uh, just, and, and the only thing I'm going to add to what you've already said is that I, I couldn't believe it was happening because this was... as I'm still a kid when this goes down because I remember... Because I remember the the build-up to it when Andre... Oh, I'd always known Andre as Hogan's best friend. And when that happened, when he shows up with Heenan, I mean, it was like Optimus Prime dying. Like, it was just really like, what? Right. And it all starts because they both get trophies. No. 
and Andre's trophy is slightly smaller than Hogan's. I know. Oh my god! But it's so yeah, great. But, I mean, it's but, it's so like, simple. You know, it's on wonderful. Piper. Like, well, okay, so first off, we can't underrate that moment on Piper's Pit. Oh, yeah. It's Hogan, Jesse Ventura, Bobby Heenan, Roddy Piper hosting this, and Andre. And it's like, and even Piper is like, oh, this is messed up. Like, th- no. What? Are you kidding me? Hogan's reply, are you going to fight him when Hogan screams? Yeah! Oh, my God, this... Uh, it's the most. It's, it's the greatest feud of all time, isn't it? Most it's Hogan oh, you're right. You're I, I, right. I can't call it the greatest feud ever because it only feels like it lasted. It didn't last past that match. Like a oh, feud to me. Oh, you're right, but still, it's just kind of like saga. Like to me, a saga is like Triple H Foley, like that, yeah, or yes. awesome man. There's another like it right there. There's another podcast of favorite feuds. But I, but my thing was, I mean, well, honestly though, Andre was really the reason it's not at the top, but it is a number my my number three. But the reason it's not at the top is because Andre is literally working at like thirty percent capacity. Yeah, he's, he's done by that point. You know, and it and it's all theatrics. It's all energy. And it's all significance of the power. And like literally, Andre had to... He was holding uh, on to the ropes most of the time, right? Well, okay, so uh, have you guys seen the HBO documentary yes, on Andre? It's wonderful. So, yeah, it's it's fantastic. And, I mean, the story is, it's like, I mean, literally, Andre was like on fumes, even in the build-up to that. Yeah. He had trouble standing. So, but, he, you know because Andre is like honestly a clutch dude he uh you know and Hogan as well they made it work and also the body slamming of Andre came out of nowhere like that never entered my consciousness that Hulk Hogan would body slam Andre he slammed other people he slammed King Kong Bundy he slammed Big John you know I'm like yeah Andre like like in another league you know it's like knocking out Thanos with one punch you know, and like, no, he's not going to do that. But he did. And it came, he was like, oh, yeah. And then, and apparently, like, uh, it, it's an apocryphal story to me. But like, apparently, he, like, tore every ligament in his shoulder when he did it. So, uh, but I'm like, well, well he had yeah. No help. I mean, most yeah. of the time, yeah. Now, Jason, oh, I'm, I'm curious. Uh, you are, uh, I assume you're a little bit, you're, you're in a generation behind us. Uh, now, this wasn't something you were probably around for as a kid. Now, did you ever get around to watching us? Did you see the feud? Uh, I watched the match for sure. I never really watched most of the build up or anything like yeah, that so for it. The context isn't quite there. I, yeah, but yeah. It's, uh, but it, it was a, go ahead, buddy. It was a great match for, like you said, for uh, Andre the Giant only being at you know thirty percent of his health at that point, and yeah. you know, I mean, it just it also shows how good of a wrestler Hogan was. You know, everybody he just really says is. he is yeah. underrated in terms of like his craft. Yes. You know, he's got a leg drop, a couple of kicks, and whatever else, but he really does know how to put on a match. Yeah. You know, he, All right. he wouldn't be the star that he is without that. That's for sure. No, yeah, absolutely. You're number three, Jason. Uh, number three, uh, speaking of other stars, uh, Johnny Gorgano versus Andre Alcida Elba. I see. Uh, oh. NXT uh, Championship for uh, uh, TakeOver Brooklyn. This was insane. That was yeah. great. Great match. Yeah. 
I was uh, actually lucky enough to see Gargano wrestle a bunch in Cleveland at the AIW promotion where he was oh, nice. the trainer at. And, oh, man, uh, every match that he put on there, you know, was great. And it just it helped him for these kind of matches where he learned how to play to the crowd. You know, you see his facial expressions. You see uh, Andre or Andrade's uh, facial expressions throughout the match. You know, they know how to work a crowd. Uh, and it's just insane. That was knees to the turnbuckle or to the head and the turnbuckle. Oh, God, yeah. I don't know how on, yeah. Like, yeah, I don't know how those guys, like, pulled off some of what they did without actually, like, doing real damage to somebody. Yeah. It, it was an insane match. And yeah. that's why it's my number three. Yeah. Awesome. All right, my number two. And I'm, I, I have a feeling this has got to be one of us has got to have this. Is Brett the Hitman Hart versus Stone Cold Steve Austin, WrestleMania 13, 1997. Two of the greatest ever at their very best. Classic setup. Bret Hart represents the history, the mythology of pro wrestling. Austin represents rebellion, disrespecting everything that Hart stands for. This match comes at a time when the industry was once again peaking. It was at the height of the fabled Monday Night Wars. Largely, the term fake had been jettisoned by most critics of the industry, and at least... The WWE had admitted to predetermining matches by this point. But this felt real. It, it is so visceral, so dramatic, that even the hardiest of wrestling fans could, could suspend disbelief at this point. <clears throat> now there's a moment late in this match when it appears that Bret Hart had Austin under control. The excellence of execution is pounding on Stone Cold in the, con- in the corner. Austin does the most typical of all heel moves. He gives Bret Hart the old low blow. Now this was not like the all full arm under the carriage. You see the fist come out the other side like Mm -hmm. Ric Flair. This thing looked like it was legit. And Bret Hart's sell job is in perfect sync with the crowd's reaction where the crowd goes, oh! And Bret Hart about how Hart mouths that exactly at the right time, falls over. Somehow the ref doesn't see. Wasn't it? It was a no DQ, I think. I don't recall. Um, but of course, we all know the famous ending where Austin passing out doesn't tap yeah. out. Blood down the face. It's, it's one of the most enduring images for WWE wrestling. But that everything about that match was so good, so real. Felt like you know something different. Felt like something else was happening. Felt like. Maybe, like, if you weren't sure if this was real or fake, you watch that match, or excuse me, I don't want to say fake, because I'm, you know, I'm a big fan. I, I, I hate when people say that. It isn't fake. But if you were on the fence, you were on the, oh, no, this is legit fence, after watching that match. Is this a, Does this fall in the top ten for any of the, either of you two? Actually, no. Not for no, me. Not. not for me. I get what you're saying, uh, and uh, it has one of the iconic Stone Cold moments ever of the whole he's in the sharpshooter and he's bleeding and he tries to push himself out of that that whole like that's a shirt right like the whole oh, and it's, yeah. it's, I mean, but, but actually one thing i remember from a wrestling standpoint was the figure four around the metal post thing oh yeah did where i was like <gasps> like i literally like i remember seeing that live and i audibly gasped i was like <gasps> 
was like, what? Like, is he trying to kill him, actually? But yeah, um, that's probably an honorable mention for me. Uh, mainly because, uh, you know, at the time that I saw it, like, it's a very, obviously, it's a very good match. And culturally, like, in terms of wrestling culture, very significant. Uh, didn't move me in the same way that, like, the, you know, my other two, the other two matches I have above that, you know, uh, my top two matches did, but um, significant. Um, right. Oh, it was, uh, to me, it was a fight. Yeah. Uh, and uh, it was just, you know, it was, just, it was, it was a straight up fight. And um, the way the crowd reacted to it signified kind of where the conscience of WWF was at that point. Because this is around the time where, you know, uh, people didn't necessarily know if it was cool to cheer for Stone Cold yet. But then by in the middle, by the time that match happened, and definitely as through, even in, even in, defeat people are just like yeah stone my guy yeah, what do you think jason wasn't that a i quit match too pretty sure uh, it was no dq or something uh, it was an i just watched this the other uh, couple days ago. i think it was supposed to i think the story was, was that it was supposed to be a submission match yeah I but i passed out so isn't that the wasn't there they did another match prior to this that was, I think, the submission match, to be honest with you. Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, Red. Yeah. Oh, wait, are we going to number two now? Yeah. Okay, so hold on a second because I have to plug in my computer. This is great. I'm getting a tour of Redmond's house. It's not that. Say hi to that. Kelly for me. She's right there watching TV, right? Yeah. Yes, she is. Hi, Kelly. <laughs> so uh, my number two match is uh, one that maybe not everybody has completely seen, but I would, it is, to, if like, if we were teaching like a master class of like professional wrestling, I would suggest that everybody should watch it. And it is Kazuhika Okada versus Kenny Omega, Wrestle Kingdom 11. That's number two my number two favorite match of all time and basically as far as pure wrestling is in-ring storytelling um the best way i could say the best way to describe it for me can i interject is, one thing i actually have this in my queue i've not seen it say what you need to say try to avoid spoilers if you don't mind oh I, oh, oh no there's no spoilers in my little analysis here it's just that so the best thing I can say about this match is that I knew I, I I had a friend at work tell me about like how awesome New Japan was, right? And um, you know, and we had talked on and off about like, okay, this is the match that's gonna happen. You should check it out. And the thing about the thing that makes it hard for a lot of people to absorb New Japan wrestling is that it happens in odd hours. You know, you can't really see it live unless you want to be up like at four in the morning or whatever and watch like three hours of wrestling right because it's, it's it's tournament style in a lot of ways so so there's so much that goes into that um but i came in to this match without knowing a whole lot about either of these guys right and this was the match 
where that really opened the door of like of the thinking of like okay this will expand your mind in terms of the wrestling that is actually out there that isn't big brand like this is uh kenny omega didn't know that much about him okada didn't know much about him except you know okada you know like my well, what my friend would say so i'm like all right cool as far as pure wrestling and in-ring storytelling and just progression and just watching two of the very best in the world do what they do this actually might be the like as far as pure wrestling goes this might be the greatest match i've ever seen this is the one that sucked me into the whole new japan vortex and style and how they did things you know technical stuff big spots false finishes it's the match to watch if you're looking to sort of strap out of the mainstream formula it is okay so if we're going to use like an oscars comparison this is parasite like this is like okay i've never i don't know that much about this director on it but then when you watch it you're like oh my god i i have to i have to see more you know and that's when you sort of get you know like that's that's why actually in many ways we can differentiate between like new japan aj styles and wwe aj styles new japan finn balor you know you know like these the stuff they did and the things that they were allowed to do and the way they had contemporaries who were just as good makes for some of the greatest pro wrestling you have ever seen like it, I, and, and it completely sucked me in I came in just like okay I imagine it'll be cool and then I came out of watching this match going like that that's going to be a really hard top and then after that match you start seeing like the other product that's out there and it's just not as good I was like just going to ask that question hard to watch WWE after that yeah but um but then you watch AEW and it has some of that spirit and some of its main event right. like uh Jason uh, Jay mentioned this earlier or you know Dustin versus Cody like it had some of that back and forth wrestle 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 back and forth fighting wrestling big spots theatrics all that stuff all in that squared circle and they just left everything out there like that's like like if you're going to be a purist about it like that's one of those things where it's like okay that's that's what it's supposed to look like um and that's the energy that i think in many ways uh like that's that's the pinnacle that's whatever that, that that's that's a match that like in, in some ways i would imagine most professionals try to get and maybe get once maybe twice in their lives hard to like top. hard to top. that Darren, you have to see it. Yeah, Text I, me. It's, I, it's definitely something I'm going to watch. I'm just trying to catch up for our top ten tonight. I haven't gotten to Of course, to of course. All right, Jason, number two. Uh, number two um, is Shane McMahon versus Kurt Angle at the King of the Ring 2001. Oh, yeah, that's – oh, wow. What a fun watch that was. Greatest slash worst botch of all time. <laughs> One of the uh, things that people for also forget about that match is that's Kurt Angle's third match that night. Yeah. And, it, like, he still turns it on. He has a hellacious match. Like you said, such a crazy botch. Such a couple or a couple crazy botches in a row. Uh, something I found out just recently was that Vince was actually yelling at the referee 
to tell them to stop the match. Stop it! Stop it! And Shane was like, "No, I'm going to keep going. Put me through that next piece of glass." Yeah. And like making fun of Angle to because he wasn't strong enough to do it. Uh, that was just a crazy, insane match, and it's one of the ones that if I have to show one wrestling match to, it's either this one or my number one match. And I'll get to that when we get around to them. Mm-hmm. But it's oh, I such bloody. Awesome. No, Mwah, like I remember it's, watching that when Shane what was it the third, fourth time he, he finally went through that glass. I'm like, oh, looks like they uh, we tried to suplex like oh, that was hard to watch. Like, <laughs> okay, it's not working. Stop it. <laughs> oh man. All right, here we go, gentlemen. Our number one favorite professional wrestling matches of all time, and my number one. I'm going back. To my favorite professional wrestler, Ricky Steamboat versus Ric Flair, the Chai Town Rumble 1989. This was just on the edge of the time when I was about to leave pro wrestling behind. And I referenced uh, tonight and a few days ago, it would not be until I met Redmond, actually, 10 years later, that I would rediscover the wonders of choreographed sanctioned violence. I loved watching WWF. Grew into a trading card enthusiast, and the dragon had long since cemented himself as my favorite, having even supplanted Hulk Hogan. I had watched WWF almost exclusively since WrestleMania II, but then Steamboat was gone. Uh, he left the company, was gone for a while. I was a little disappointed, couldn't find him, and <clears throat> was a couple years. Um, found him again. During one cold Saturday morning early in 1989, Steamboat was delivering what I would later come to know as a promo. He was going to wrestle Ric Flair for the NWA heavyweight title. My trading card collection told me that it was a big deal and that wrestling Flair was a big deal. I knew who Flair was. Even if you weren't a WWF guy, which for a while everyone was, you at least knew who Ric Flair was, in spite of the fact that he had yet to step foot inside a WWF ring. I was definitely intrigued. And, and this is where I must confess that I don't know how I saw this. It was a pay-per-view, and I don't think we ordered it. In fact, I'm certain we didn't. Um, I do wonder if the one I saw uh, that I remember was actually one of the other two encounters, but I know that the build-up I was watching was leading to this match, the Chaitan Rumble, because Ricky was chasing the belt. He didn't have it yet. Um, and the other two contests, the one I referenced earlier, uh, the Class of Champions, he was he was the champion. Ricky Steamboat was defending against Ric Flair. And um, I think this might have been the one I was watching because, when I remember watching as a kid, because I think this one was on TV. It wasn't, uh, it wasn't a pay-per-view. I think the other two were. But this one, I've seen it, uh, you know, I finally did see it many years ago. I've watched it a couple of times since. It's just, it, I know that Ricky Steamboat, you know, and Ric Flair, they're going to dot any top ten matches, feuds, uh, wrestlers, whatever. They're, they're going to be up there. Both of those guys are going to be dotted all over the place. And in fact, they still talk about each other and working with each other. Oh, with, yeah. I mean, and it, it's uh, if you if you find any top fifty, top one hundred, top ten matches, all three of their encounters are on there. And but you know, it's funny. The one um, that always gets up there is WrestleMania three with Roger, Macho Man Randy Savage. Um, but this this one's only about twenty minutes. But, yeah. man, oh, man, if you've not seen it, 
you got to watch it. I mean, it, it, it's it's strange because a lot of the stuff Ric Flair does in this match is stuff that he's sort of like, you know, when he returns to the WWF and late in his WCW career. I don't want to say he was a parody of himself, but, you know, the, it, people used to, you know, you start expecting it, and it's almost like, oh, we have to make sure we get this spot in, and you specifically when he gets thrown into the ropes and he kind of somersaults over it. It's yeah. one of those things that's almost like use, you know, yeah, the, the best of Ric Flair kind of a deal. Uh, but I'm in this use, particular uh, case, he's still... ABA analogy. You say that again? Rick, I'm going to use the ABA analogy again with, uh, with Ric Flair. WCW Ric Flair is like ABA Dr. J. You know, WWE Ric Flair, it, 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 it started even... Even though he had a you know a pretty lengthy career with WWE, you know there there you got the impression that there was stuff that he had to do because he was Ric Flair. It yeah, was at stuff. that point, you know, Ric Flair. exactly. You're like, oh, I have to go out okay, and I have to be the guy. Best. But in this match, I mean, and and a genuine crowd reaction. Uh, when Rick, Ricky Steamboat wins, because it's his first championship, and I feel like. You know, this is this is the wrestling crowd that absolutely knew that this guy, Rick, Ricky Steamboat, was probably the best in-ring performer at the time and deserved recognition. And then they see him go over and defeat the king of wrestling, the the guy, right? Yeah. I mean, those of you, those of you like they talked about um, in the South, in this territory, you didn't talk about Hulk Hogan. It was. It's still a joke. Flair. Flair country. Um, so to see him beat the dastardly Ric Flair, and let's be honest, Ricky Ricky Steamboat was probably the prototypical babyface man. I mean, you watch his, his promos; he's always like, "I'm just gonna try my best," you know. I, I'm not gonna cheat, and I know that guy cheated. And even when he, you know, like I referenced a few minutes ago in that uh, in the Clash of Champions when he discovers while he's being interviewed after his win over Ric Flair and he successfully defends the title um, he sees that Ric Flair did have his roof on the rope and the match probably shouldn't have ended there and he you know in his babyface way says you know what Ric Flair's got a point I'm happy to meet him again let's do it I'm ready to go you know it's just like he's such yeah, he's the consummate babyface yeah. he is the yeah. when you see babyface what's the definition it's Ricky the Dragon Steamboat um so if you haven't seen this one recently, especially now with all like like you were just talking uh, so glowingly about Okada versus Omega, well I'm gonna watch that. But you know what? Go back and watch the Chi Town Rumble. I will. Yeah, I mean, it, you're gonna watch this and go, oh my god! And when you do, text me because I want you to. I'm really interested. I, I, I wonder when the last time you saw this thing. Jason, what do you yeah, think? Well, Did you ever see this one? No, I can't say I have. I mean, I've seen some Ricky Dragon Bone, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat matches, and he is a phenomenal babyface and phenomenal wrestler. Uh, Ric Flair, a constant heel. So I can only imagine those two put on a crazy match for that one. Note about Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. I believe he's the one who started the now way overused You Still Got It chance because when he wrestled Rick, uh, Chris Jericho, what, about 10, 15 years ago, all of a sudden, he just looked like Ricky Steamboat, and you're like, "Oh my God, he still got it!" The arm drags, right? Oh yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. You mentioned that a lot on our last time. Like, just watch Ricky Steamboat do an arm drag. I mean, you talked a lot about how it's just how perfect he was. It's it's Jordan dunking, like it's just. Oh, 
wow, yeah. it doesn't look like that. All right, ready it's your turn. On a tomahawk, you know. Yeah. Oh, we go number one here. This is it, man. So my number one match, uh, my number one favorite match of all time. It's to the point. Oh, so it, this this match has does a couple things every time I I um I see it. One, I watch it repeatedly just for random inspiration. Um, and two, it's the only match. It's one. Yeah, I actually. Well, rather, I'd say it's the first match. It's the first match that actually got me a little misty when I when it was over. Um, because of just everything that I had seen and how awesome it was. Uh, Shawn Michaels versus The Undertaker, WrestleMania 25. That's not the career versus the streak match. That was the light versus dark match. That was the first time really, like, because they had faced each other before at a Hell in a Cell match, but this was the first time that I had remembered where it's just like both of them are kind of at the height of their powers and in a one-on-one straight-up match, no title on the line, Sean, you know, coming back from a back injury four years later and actually being even better than he was, and The Undertaker in his absolute, at his absolute best. Um, so these are two legends at the top of the games. Um, the commentary, it was Jim Ross... Michael Cole and the King, and somehow all three of them made it work. They all had calls that I remember from that match. Um, just false finishes. Both two of two of them wrestling their completely different styles and making it work seamlessly, one way or the other. Um, the creativity and the how they got. To their now when I say false finishes yes there are like they do hit their finishers and they kick out of them but there's also a bunch of stuff in there where they almost hit them and the other person like figures a way out of them like to avoid them you know and just building and building and building Sean does a little DX chop you know Taker does all of his stuff and like I to me that's the match where that's the last time you really see both of those guys at their best I honestly think, like, now the career versus streak match at, at the following WrestleMania was a remix. I don't think it was better than this. The energy, it didn't match the energy of this because this was one of those matches where you're just like, okay, I'm basically seeing two real icons in ring guys, the, all the respect The Undertaker has, and how good Shawn Michaels is as truly maybe the best in-ring performer who has ever lived um just really the, the way their styles molded together we usually when you have like this big powerful guy and the guy who's known for his quickness it's usually my turn your turn my turn your turn this was like a saga this was an epic conflict where they both within exchanges found ways to still be themselves and still meld their styles together and it was just it was poetry it was poetry like that okay you know like for anyone who hasn't seen this match which is a crime if you haven't but like little things like okay like you know taker spending forever to try and get him in this choke slam right and sean keeps fighting it off and you know obviously he's building for the tombstone okay but there's this one move where he 
Taker throws him out of the ring, or tries to. Sean, showing off his athleticism, holds onto the top rope. You know, skins the cat, as they say. And he flips back over the rope. Like, he try, he does, you know, and shows athleticism. He, he, he hangs onto the rope. His feet don't touch the ground. And he pulls himself up, back, and over the rope right into the tombstone and I'm like, oh, like and you see it building and the way Sean's theatrics built it like his legs got caught at the Undertaker's shoulders and the Undertaker starts pulling him away and you can hear the crowd going oh my god and it, it like and it's like the first major 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 move first false finish where he it's with the tombstone and the tombstone then darren we've talked about this a while like and this is another freaking segment altogether where we can talk about the kept the power the power scale for finishing moves oh yeah you know what i mean the power scale for finishing moves the tombstone is probably in the top three in terms of like you are not getting up from that sean got up from that and uh yeah. Quick question for the power scale. Are you using WrestleMania 2000 power scale or uh, No Mercy power scale? No, good question. Ooh, that is a wonderful question. I actually hadn't thought of that. That is a brilliant question. Um, those are the only two power scales that I actually can recommend. Any yeah, game after. Oh, I agree. No, I agree. I hadn't thought about it like that. But um, I'd say, uh, you know, having not done that research yet... I'd say still the tombstone's probably in the top third at the yes. very least of yes. just like okay, this is probably this is probably over, and um, you know and uh, you know just that first catch of how Taker got him into that and how well these guys work together in terms of really building this this epic battle between you know light versus dark, you know. To me, it felt more epic than Career versus Streak. Although I know Career versus Streak also a fantastic match. You know, if you want, you could probably sub this out for. But this one had more impact to me because I'm like, I, this is the first time I've seen these guys this good, like this good, with each other, yeah, like that. That is, you're right. That is one for the ages, my man. Yeah. That is one for the ages. Never, I don't think we'll ever see anything uh, that important in the industry again. All right, I got the signal from the referee, Jason. It's time for you to send us home. So my number one match uh, that I will show anybody who wants to see a phenomenal wrestling match and just see the highlight reel that is these two performers, it's RVD versus Jerry Land at Hardcore Heaven uh, 1999. Uh, they had fantastic matches and a bunch of other pay-per-views for ECW around then but this match they go balls to the wall um, you know there's chair shots there's uh, you know almost dying at one or two points probably oh, uh, <laughs> uh, but this is the epitome of ECW wrestling yeah. for uh, these guys it's and, what I'd call an identity match yes like, you were to a- if you were to ask somebody if somebody would ask you, what's, give me one match to, to show me what ECW is all about, you'd show them that. Be like, yeah. here, here you go. It's got everything you want. You know, technical wrestling to the T, uh, hardcore match on top of it with some awesome, um, you know, spots here and there. It's just 
everything all rolled up into one perfect package. No. All right. That, that, I, I'll confess, that is not one I have seen. As I was stating earlier, ECW wasn't something that was available to me when it was really at its peak. All right, guys. So what we're talking about here is I had Ricky Steamboat versus Ric Flair at the Chai Town Rumble 1989. Revan went with the first, well, not the first, but the first of the two WrestleMania encounters between The Undertaker and Shawn Michaels and... Jason Deep dove into the ECW round for Rob Van Dam and Jerry Lynn. This this was some that I had been looking forward to with the two of you guys for a really long time, and I'm so glad we we finally got to do it. Um, I feel like there's so much more left on the table too. Um, sure. So I'd say you know maybe right around WrestleMania season next year, uh, maybe think about your top ten best. Feuds, which usually involves a series oh, of matches. So much, yeah. Yeah, so uh, that'll be a lot of fun. Uh, so, and, and listen, you guys are invited back on the Panel Scanners podcast uh, anytime you uh, want. Redman, I know you're a, um, kind of a name in the video game review industry, so anytime yeah. you want to uh, push yourself yeah, out to our panel. Oh, stop it. Uh, you know, I just sort of do it. You are a pro fun. wrestling fan, so that's what Ric Flair would call false modesty. Let's be honest. Um, <laughs> I, I, I think he just left. But, uh, yeah, come on. Yeah. on. And, uh, now, Jason, I, hopefully you'll be able to jump on with us if we're fortunate enough to be able to uh, get out there and record a uh, free comic book day whenever that happens. Hopefully it will. Um, other than that, guys, anything final to say before we uh, wrap this puppy up? Stay safe. Stay healthy. Um, you know, you can still have fun, even though... Uh, you know, all this is going on. There's a lot of stuff. To, there's a lot of stuff to watch. There's a lot of stuff to play. Uh, use it. Use this as a time to connect with yourself and others. Jason. You know, safe. Very well. Um, same sentiment that uh, Redman had. Uh, also, you know, we just gave you 30 great wrestling matches. 30 plus great wrestling matches. Go watch some of those. You know, deep dive into some uh, great times with that show your family show your friends you know via the internet if you have to but one per day like one per day and you'll be out of the quarantine in no time yeah that's a good point yeah well i'll tell you what guys this has been a lot of fun and if uh let's take a look and see how wrestlemania 36 goes and if you guys feel the need to uh jump on and give me your thoughts as a post-mortem or uh, anything you go ahead and let me know I'm down for that. So yeah. thanks very much. Maybe I'll reach out to you. We'll see how this thing goes. It might be a complete turd. It might be something. It might be something worth uh, analyzing in there, oh, um, especially knows, with uh, so you're, much you're time on point. our hands, right? Um, all right. So I'm going to go ahead and call this triple threat match. I think the both of you guys have my shoulders pinned to the mat, and that is a one, two, three. <laughs>